the total seed round was $6 million. But there was a million that was just from family and friends, people that we knew, small checks. And then the $5 million was literally raised within two days. Welcome to How to Raise a Round, Carta's podcast about one of the most challenging elements of every startup founder's journey, raising money. Each episode, we sit down with new and veteran founders to hear the stories behind their funding rounds and learn about the challenges, advice, and unexpected lessons they learned along the way. I'm Josh Durst-Wiseman, manager of branded content at Carta and host of How to Raise a Round. Our guest this week is Matteo Franschetti, CEO and co-founder of 8Sleep, a sleep fitness startup that sells smart mattresses and sleep accessories. In August of 2015, 8Sleep raised its $6 million seed round while enrolled in Y Combinator's Accelerator program, but the road to Y Combinator was a bumpy one for Matteo. In fact, he actually applied to YC three separate times before 8Sleep was accepted. As a hardware company in a software-dominated space, 8Sleep's fundraising journey was full of obstacles. And to top it all off, Matteo chose to forego a priced round in favor of a debt round, which is more complicated but arguably much smarter given his business model. He was constantly adjusting 8Sleep's valuation cap while the raise was still ongoing. In this episode, we'll explore Matteo's rationale behind his theory that a CEO should always be fundraising. He'll share his process behind de-risking a seed stage startup to attract investors, dive into the ins and outs of a crowdfunding campaign, and explain why a founder has to optimize for survival rather than perfection. My name is Matteo Franceschetti. I'm the CEO and co-founder of 8Sleep. We are the first sleep fitness company. We've heard from quite a few founders this season who have co-founded their business with a close friend, but Matteo took the idea of starting a company with a compatible partner to a whole new level. He actually co-founded 8Sleep with his wife, Alexandra Zatterain. We met in Miami. I was still living in Italy. She was still living in Mexico. She was studying at University of Miami for a semester. Then I moved to New York and she moved to New York. Matteo and Alexandra immediately bonded over their shared passion for entrepreneurship, and when they moved in together, they spent their free time brainstorming product ideas. Even before I'd sleep, we were doing our own hackathon. So sometimes during the weekend, what we were doing, it was just an hackathon, the two of us building something. And so we already knew we loved to work together, and we had fun. Then we started working on some of the side projects we were talking about earlier. We started involving Max, the CTO and co-founder of Eight Sleep, And then we did, I think, two projects with Max, and then we started it. In 2014, the startup officially launched with the goal of providing a new and improved way to sleep well through a smart mattress that tracks users' sleep cycles, adjusts the mattress temperature, and even uses Bluetooth to connect to a smartphone. Matteo knew that his idea had a lot of potential, but remember, this was a few years ago. As a recent immigrant, he was at a disadvantage when it came to attracting investor interest. In the early stage of a company, investor tried to look at any sign of you being a high achiever. And so sometimes they look at now, what school did you go? Things like that. And none of that applied to me because I graduated in law from Italy. So it's not that I come from Stanford, Harvard, or any other top league school. So they didn't have any data point about me. Matteo's lack of connections in the U.S. wasn't the only obstacle in his way. He also didn't have any experience in the industry that he was trying to enter. The other issue I had was I had two companies before 
but none of them was in technology or at least in Silicon Valley. They were in renewable energy, solar. And so it's not that I already had other Silicon Valley investors that could vouch for me. And so when it was time to back channel and see if I was you now a legitimate guy who would be able to build a real business, there were so few data points that it was hard at the beginning to convince some investors. Of course, this didn't slow them down one bit in moving forward with 8sleep. Matteo knew that the best way to prove himself to investors was through demonstrated consistency, so the team got to work right away on designing and building a prototype of their dream mattress. Max built, and Alexandra helped us to create almost a, a brief marketing document. And so we invited a couple of friends to Max's house to test the product. They simulated to sleep on it or to read a book in bed, things like that. And that same day, we got the first check from one of our friends. He asked if he could invest 25K in the company. Although they already had one check in hand, Matteo and his team knew that this alone wouldn't be enough to convince investors to also write a check. Instead, they decided to prove that their product was in demand through a strategy that we haven't really seen a lot this season, launching a crowdfunding campaign. At the time, for hardware companies, doing a crowdfunding campaign was pretty normal. And all the best hardware companies, they had successful crowdfunding campaigns. So it was a pretty obvious choice. So how do you know if a Kickstarter or Indiegogo campaign is a good idea for your company? Well, today in 2021, the market is always changing. So what worked for Mateo's business won't necessarily work for every other kind of business, if only for the fact that 8sleep sells to consumers, not other businesses. But in Mateo's case, he used a crowdfunding campaign to accomplish three things. Seeding the customer base, signaling product market fit or PMF, and creating brand awareness. But keep in mind, he designed this strategy to attract institutional investors by demonstrating product market fit. There's typically no equity involved in a crowdfund. It's just a way of selling your product. But in 2015, when Matteo and his team chose this method, crowdfunds were a popular way for founders to prove to investors that customers actually wanted to buy their product. Of course, crowdfunds do have drawbacks, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But before Matteo actually started the crowdfund, he needed to launch 8sleep's product online. And so after months of hard work developing a prototype, Matteo and his co-founders gathered together and launched their website at midnight. We didn't sleep that night. And at a certain point, we see a purchase. And one of my co-founders says, oh, Max, who is another co-founder, was it you just to test the platform and the purchase. And he said, no, it was not me. That was the first customer ever. And it was a person in France. And it was completely unexpected because it was literally two, three minutes after we launched. With this newfound confidence that someone somewhere wanted to buy their product, Matteo and the team eagerly planned their crowdfund. And what better way is there to attract new customers to a mattress company than by throwing a pajama party? We prepare the bed. The bed already had temperature settings, so at the time I think it was slightly warm. And then there were the Philips Hue, so the lights would go off and on based on certain behaviors. We invited them, we asked them to come with their pyjama, and they also brought a book so they could read in bed and simulate the whole experience. And then Alexandra, she created this sort of presentation and slide where they could read all the features of the product. But it was beautifully designed. 8sleep's crowdfund was a massive success, and as a result, they ended up selling way more units than they had anticipated. 
in part because they had the genius idea to market a mattress as a fitness product the way you would a Fitbit or a pair of Nikes. And if you think about it, what helps you perform better than a good night's sleep? We sold 8,000 units in pre-orders. And so it's the first product. You need to build 8,000 units, which is a meaningful amount. And so you go all excited to these manufacturers that obviously you need to identify, you need to put together the supply chain, all that stuff. And you build 8,000 units. But once you have fulfilled your pre-orders, then you get into regular sales. Selling thousands of units right off the bat doesn't sound like a bad thing, but here's where we get to one of the disadvantages of a crowdfund. While overselling would be a great metric to indicate product market fit to Eight Sleep's investors, it created a whole new set of problems when it came to actually manufacturing the products. This created a lot of challenges in terms of supply chain and relationship with manufacturers. You have put a lot of stress on the manufacturer to build as many units as possible, as quickly as possible. And then suddenly you just need one or two and they cannot even work for a whole month. Not to mention building in huge batches at a fast rate could risk compromising the quality of your product. Crowdfunds aren't necessarily a good fit for every startup, but in Eight Sleep's case, it created the momentum that they needed to keep moving forward. There was a new partner who just joined with a lot of expertise in hardware. And so obviously he cared a lot about you know, bringing on board hardware companies. We just completed our crowdfunding campaign. So there was some buzz and hype around us. And so we met. The new team member suggested that they apply to Y Combinator, but Matteo and his team were understandably doubtful about it. We're not really convinced because we said, look, we already applied twice. We already did this. But you say, no, you should. You can prove that there is demand. You have made a lot of progress compared to the other two times. Matteo and his team wanted to take his advice, but they didn't want to spend hours on another application only to be rejected yet again. They decided to give it another try, but with a compromise. They'd restrict the time they'd spend working on the application. We did everything within an hour. We submitted. We got invited for the in-person meeting. Obviously, Matteo was shocked. They had made it further in the one-hour application process than they had at any point before, all because they had proved their metrics through the crowdfunding campaign. And when the team's interview date came along, they didn't hold back. They lugged the contents of an entire bedroom through Y Combinator and set up their showroom right there in the hallway. Obviously, we wanted to show the product, but our product requires a mattress. And so we had to rent a truck We had to bring a mattress in the hallway of Y Combinator, and we had set up everything there, which was pretty embarrassing because there were a lot of other founders there for the interview, and all of them, they were on their computer writing code, and there was us bringing a mattress in the hallway of YC. Nervously, Matteo and the team went through their presentation, allowing the YC partners to test out the mattress's settings. But when they packed up their showroom and left, they were all in pretty low spirits. We thought, oh, no, we didn't do a good performance. We'll never get in. And so I remember that we drove the truck back to San Francisco. We didn't talk during the drive. We were just depressed. Even because now we were looking at my phone because now if you get admitted in YC, you know, they call you. If they don't call you, it means that you're out. That is how it works. They're not going to send you an email or anything. Matteo dropped his co-founders off and went to return the truck alone. He pulled into a parking spot, shut off the engine, and picked up his phone. And suddenly, there it was, a missed call notification that sent his heart racing. After I dropped the truck, I checked my phone, 
and I noticed there was a call from a, a number from the Bay Area. So I called back and there was Gary Tan. He told me, oh, you guys are in. Matteo could hardly believe it. He rushed back to his co-founders to share the amazing and to them kind of unbelievable news. It was time to go to Y Combinator and gear up for an official seat round. Now that Matteo and his team were in the most prestigious accelerator program in the country, their first order of business was to evolve their prototype from the crowdfund. We started having the first prototypes. So during YC, we started building the first prototypes and people started sleeping on that. I think Michael Seibel, the CEO, was one of the first people to sleep on an eight sleep product outside the founders. Walking down the hallway of Y Combinator for the first time as an admitted founder rather than a guest gave Matteo an even stronger sense of conviction. And even back in 2015, when 8sleep had barely launched, Matteo had a unique and well-developed perspective on fundraising. The framework I use is I think CEOs should always be fundraising because hardware companies, they require a lot of capital and you might never know how much you will need. So the risk in the company, I think, is part of your job, in particular, if you can get capital. And so one of the ways I do that is through saves. And all the times that we achieve a new inflection point, the terms of the safe change. And so you can increase the valuation. Let's pause here and talk about what's unique about Mateo's strategy. In Silicon Valley, the way it typically works is you raise a big chunk of money every 12 to 18 months. You go around town, you do a big dog and pony show with investors, you get a fancy write-up in TechCrunch, all in hopes of getting crowned the next it company. There are obviously advantages to the system, but the challenge is that you spend 18 months building your company only to hold your breath in anticipation of a thumbs up or thumbs down as to whether or not you can keep building the company. Mateo's strategy is a little bit different. Instead of limiting himself to only this pass-fail kind of system, he treats fundraising like a constant year-round endeavor. Every time he hits a milestone, it de-risks his company by a certain factor, and he raises a little bit more money at this new valuation. The right way to do it is always to raise more money than what you think you need. And the reason is things will go wrong. And in particular, when things go wrong, that could cost you millions of dollars, right? Because you have physical items out there that maybe you need to replace or maybe there is a supply issue. And so all the times that you hit a new inflection point in the company and so you can prove progression for a new investor. And proving your progression is the most important part of de-risking your business. It makes investors feel more confident and secure in their choice to back you. You prove progression by doing three things. Tell your investors what milestones you're going to hit, then hit them, and then show your investors that you did what you said you were going to. It can be different things, right? If you just look at product, it could be a new product achievement. In the very early stages of the company, you didn't have a head of hardware. You didn't have X people in the hardware team. Now you have them. And so compared to a couple of months earlier, your company is in a stronger position. It's really connected to your stage, it's really connected to your business. But at the end of the day, it's something that investors would see like a step up in the opportunity of success or the chances of success of the business. As Matteo pointed out, 8sleep and any startup for that matter was always changing as the team scaled and rapidly hit more and more of their goals. So it would only make sense that they would share these inflection points with investors, which in turn would demonstrate that 8sleep was less and less risky to invest in. We had so much pressure because you never know if you will be able to raise 
at demo day. The partners always tell you, look, stay relaxed. There is no reason to be nervous. You will be able to race. But you know, until it happens, you don't know. For most founders, securing the first check is the hardest step in the fundraising process. Mateo and his team had already gotten 25K from a friend, but when raising a $6 million round, they would need more than that to calm their nerves and make a dent in their seed. This Chinese firm said, look, we can help you. We understand hardware really well. We can help you with our people in Shenzhen to put together supply chain and everything. We'd like to invest a million dollars. So they invested two, three weeks before demo day. Because 8sleep is a hardware company and Silicon Valley is generally centered around software these days, Mateo had a unique opportunity to leverage a relationship in China that other founders might not pursue. This was a huge deal for 8sleep for a couple of different reasons. First, okay, we can raise. There are some investors here that want to come in. And second is because when you raise money, the hardest part is always the first check. And so having the first million dollar check made it easier for me because I could go to the others and say, look, if you want to come in, just come in quickly, let me know. That first million dollars gave Matteo the leverage and urgency he needed in his seed round to attract more investors to the table. But that wasn't the only tool that he used to bring attention to 8sleep. He was also adjusting his valuation cap throughout the raise to reflect the milestones that the startup was hitting during the accelerator. Between the first investor and the last investor, the valuation almost doubled. And the reason is you have so much demand, more than what you wanted to raise. And so you go back to the de-risking factor, so that is the framework, and you say, okay, I'm fine to take more money, but what is the cost of capital? And if people are open to pay a higher price, and so the cost of capital is lower, in order to de-risk the company, I will take more money. And so you set your own goal, okay, we want to raise whatever, 2 million, 3 million, that is the amount we really need. And then you keep adjusting the cap based on demand. According to Matteo, when your company hits a major milestone, that should always be reflected in the valuation. It bears mentioning, of course, that changing your valuation cap can get tricky, especially when you have those conversations with investors about how and why you're adjusting your company's valuation. You have to show investors clear proof that your startup is worth more than it was previously, and this means showing them exactly which metrics you've hit and exactly how your company has benefited from them. This works very well or can work for early stage companies. Then once you start becoming a growth stage company, this doesn't work anymore and you need to go back to inflection points. That's a good point, and it's worth noting. As a company grows, the valuation becomes more closely tied to tangible factors like revenue. This means there's less subjectivity in a mid-to-late-stage valuation. At the end of the day, oversimplified is the impact of dilution. It's not that you can raise $6 million, just random numbers, at $10 million valuation, because that would be 60% of the company. And so you kept moving it up. You might take $1 million at $10 million. And then uh, the rest of the capital comes at a higher cap or valuation. And so you can still raise $6 million, but instead of being diluted 60%, maybe you end up being diluted 20%. This all depends on the market. But in 2015, adjusting 8sleep's valuation cap mid-raise significantly reduced how diluted they were. You cannot change the cap for the previous investor, even because they took a risk, right? Maybe this time there is not an inflection point in the company, but investing the first million dollar in a company, you're taking a big bet because if we wouldn't have raised the other five, maybe the company wouldn't be here. 
And so you're taking a big bet saying, look, I'm going to make the first move, but I also bet that you will find the rest of the money. And so they need to be compensated for that risk, in my opinion. And so the cap stays the same. Constantly adjusting your valuation cap is certainly unconventional, and having your investors join at different caps takes careful planning. But Matteo knew that if he was going to be fundraising on a continuous basis, it was his best bet at de-risking 8sleep. Although the team already had a couple of checks in the bank, Demo Day at YC still brought its fair share of anxiety, and with nearly $5 million more to raise, Matteo knew that he had to give the perfect pitch. Alexandra, she has been a public speaker, so she has run a bunch of events where she was the host, and so she trained me. I think we spent like a week where I kept rehearsing, even because, you know, I have you no know, my accent, I'm Italian, so I need to pay a lot of attention to make sure that people understand me. Matteo knew that the key to nailing his pitch was repetition and actively seeking constructive feedback, and so before Demo Day, he did everything he could to polish up his presentation. Two days before demo day, you keep going to YC and you pitch in front of the partners. And so there were a bunch of partners there and I kept practicing over and over. You do the same also for the deck. I remember we went to Michael Seibel's house. He reviewed the deck with us to reduce the amount of information you want to share and just now focus on a few compelling stats. Two days later, it was demo day. Matteo and his co-founders woke up early and drove down to YC once again with a U-Haul filled with bedroom furniture. Because we had a physical hardware product, we had to install it. And then, I mean, it's a very hectic day because everyone is pitching, all your friends who are other co-founders are there and they're nervous. Everyone is talking about, you know, valuation and fundraising. How is it going for you? How is it going for them? It's just super energizing. Right then. Once again in his homemade showroom in front of the YC partners, Matteo delivered his pitch flawlessly. And to top it all off, he got to see the other founders around him succeed too. You see your friends being successful. They work hard and they're raising. The same happens hopefully to you. And so it's just a great moment that you share with other super smart people you spent three months with. After Demo Day, 8sleep seed round successfully closed. The team had $6 million in the bank, which certainly merited a celebration, but Matteo was already getting back to work. Celebrating is not one of my strengths, because I'm always thinking about the next problem. It's actually a feedback I get, and so I started thinking about the supply chain and manufacturing issues. And so it was just, okay, we have the money in the bank, now how do we fix manufacturing? Matteo wasn't interested in taking any breaks, and it's safe to say that today, with 8sleep's valuation going up and up and up, the hard work paid off. Over the next six years, and likely many more to come, Matteo would prove again and again that there isn't just one way to raise funds. By de-risking 8sleep, frequently adjusting his valuation cap, and staying in the fundraising mindset at all times, Matteo and his co-founders have turned an ambitious pajama party crowdfunding event into a massively successful mattress company. In the end, Matteo and his team raised $6 million during 8sleep's seed round. They raised from an assortment of big-name VC funds and small-check angel investors. You can adjust the cap if there is more demand than what you expect. The other big thing is just to stay cool and trust the YC partners if you are a YC. Otherwise, I would say if you're not a Y Combinator, but you're still looking to raise, 
the thing I would suggest is try to identify the first evidence of product market fit. It's really hard nowadays to raise for early stage companies if they don't have any evidence. And so stay lean, try to prove product market fit, even on a small scale. Next time on How to Raise a Round. Some people who send out 70 emails and they send out term sheets and they get all this sort of stuff. I don't work like that. I can't do that. If I don't feel like doing it, I don't do it. My style is I am going to be fearless and being present to the opportunity that's in front of me and the people who are around me and trusting that I am surrounded by good people. We talked to Theo Miller, founder and CEO of Hit Start Media, to hear how he raised Hit Start's $600,000 pre-seed in April of 2021. This podcast is presented by eShares Incorporated, doing business as Carta, Carta Incorporated, and Carta Ventures. The opinions of the guests and hosts are their own and do not reflect the view of eShares Incorporated, doing business as Carta, Carta Incorporated, and Carta Ventures. Listeners should not treat any opinions or comments as investment, financial, legal, accounting, or tax advice. The content of the podcast is not legal, financial, or tax advice and is not meant to recommend or offer the purchase or sale of a security. This podcast is informational only. How to Raise a Round is a Hit Start Media production. The show is written and co-produced by me, Josh Durst-Wiseman. Hit Start Media founder Theo Miller is creative director. Olivia Laurie is production manager with sound production by Nick Canepa and script production by Mary Kelleher. This podcast is presented by eShares Inc. doing business as Carta Inc., Carta, and Carta Ventures. 